0: Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Straight-talking ideas to grow your business.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. My name's John Lawley and I'm your web wizard.
0: I'm Georgia and I'm your brand and marketing guardian.
2: I'm Andrew Black and I help trades get off the tools.
1: Now, before we go any further, please uh, go to iTunes and uh, subscribe to the podcast and please leave a review so that more people can find us and um, obviously benefit from the amazing material and looking at our beautiful faces. And of course, go to marketingsimplified.co.uk to watch all the videos and download the accompanying sheets. Now, today's episode is very interesting. It's someone that me and Andrew know very well. Um, It's an architect called Simon Miller. He's been um, in business for a number of years, and we went along to his office, all custom built, to find out more about his business. So here's Simon Miller. So hello and welcome and thank you, Simon, for uh, allowing, us, allowing us into your office.
2: Well, thank you for coming. All the team as well. Thanks for being space. asked, yeah. First one in. So look, um, just straight in, Simon, talk to us a little bit about this building and how the opportunity came to develop it. Well, for a few, I was working from home. Um, I
3: started in the front room of my house and for years I was in the house, and from one person, we became sort of one and a half, two, three people. And then Francis got a bit fed up. <laughs> um, we converted <laughs> the loft. It got quite full. And um, there was, this was a workshop. Um, it was a breeze block workshop with a roller shutter, car mechanic. And um, there was a sign outside saying, for rent. And we kept passing this site and one of the guys who worked with me said you know there's a site I said yeah I know it says for rent i rang the agent to cut a long story short this sign that day said for sale and rent so I rang the agent we put in a closed it was a closed bid I came second of I think 18 bids and um I said to the agent so what what now? He said, Well, he's won it, but if you want to up the offer. So we, we up the offer once and then we made it a contract race. So I exchanged and completed in 25 hours. Brilliant.
1: Wow. Um, okay. So
3: my retiring accountant said, Simon, I love a challenge. <laughs> so <clears throat> at that point, we got, we, we did two planning schemes, we did a planning A and B scheme. You know, the, the A scheme was this, the B scheme was, the you know, the, the conservative scheme. And um, the head planner said, I'll support you. And um, from there on, we, we built it. We got permission. We had about 20 objections from all those people. <laughs>
0: oh, dear.
3: And, uh, but we went through the system as we do, you know, for our clients. Um, and I'm lucky, really, uh, not just practically five
2: minutes from, from home, but just to have it, really. Had you noticed since coming to a larger building <clears throat> there's been any difference, sort of changing offices, moving, developing that side of the business yeah. in a way? Yeah. That, that kind of attracted more business in some way? Yeah, there
3: was a very conscious decision um, before we moved as we were building to say we're not just moving. This isn't about moving. It's about, re, you know, um, how do you put this? Redefining what you do. So that was... It was quite exhausting because you're moving, you're building something, you're running an office, but you're overhauling your whole mode of working out mm. of choice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I really like um, that. We've, we've talked about that with a number of different business owners mm-hmm. about, you know, is that part of the strategy with your clients? So yeah. the place that they come to to see you to talk about your <clears> services to begin with. And obviously then you have quite a unique experience then to, to set that up.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of
3: self-searching that goes on. People don't talk about it um, per se, you know, in an obvious way. But people, have, people discuss things with each other about their own home or their office. And as you get to know them, it, it comes out. Hmm. And for us, it was less cottage industry architectural practice and what does that mean and we had to work through it and but coming together the building coming together moving in and then sort of changing that mode of working that took time that was a good two two and a half years to feel that we, we're, we've changed how we're working and not just feel we've moved into a new building. The, the building is a physical ma- manifestation
1: of something, right. but it's, yeah. And was that pretty much a part? So you were talking about how you'd started out the business, you were working <coughs> from home, a mm. home office, and then you've had the opportunity then to actually buy a site and construct.
3: Yeah.
1: And in a way, you're you know with, with the line of business that you're in, you've said, this is me. Yeah. This is an example of what we can actually achieve. But then yeah. you've come to then a larger space and bigger
3: team? Yeah. Larger space, bigger team. I mean, this is an, this was an excuse to explore some obsessions
0: from right. a design okay. point of view.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up with timber. Um, I, I was walking around timber yards at seven years old, you know. So timber is an obsession. I like black. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also interested in the way Harris timber moved. This is cross laminated timber. This is a jigsaw. The actual structure was built in four and a half days, and the tolerances are five millimeter. So there's a lot of things that you 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 work on that sort of drop into your mind, thinking, "Well, wouldn't it be good if we could just explore that?" Yeah, when we do this,
1: what do you say for, for everyone listening? Um, if you go to SimonMillerArchitects.com, you can actually see some amazing images of the office that we're actually sat in, um, and we'll post some links as well um, on the podcast page. Mm. Yeah, you do. You see some of
3: those images. Uh, I mean, some you know the the look of the building is interesting, black because you know why do you want to do a black building? Well, that, that was you know there's an idea behind that which is. The idea of the black box, the black box in your head. Um, but what was interesting was, how do you achieve black, you know, in a material? And we spent weeks talking to people who just produce black stain. Yeah. Well, that's what we do for our clients. <clears throat> our clients said, I'd like a window, but what type of window? So you sort of get obsessive about it and get it, try and get it right. But that's quite enjoyable. So, it is quite odd to see the building on the website because you're, it's a bit of a dream in a way. Uh, literally, you know, it's something you've experienced,
2: but you see it there, but we're inhabiting it. So, it's an odd relationship. We've it's got, Taking it from a different perspective as well. Yeah. 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 When you moved the team here and obviously added to that team, was there a very definite culture shock? Yeah. There was a, there was a definite, deliberate culture shock.
3: Um, and I think that, the, you know, my team are great because we we adapt with a small architectural practice, things drop in, you, you, you have to react quickly to things, but it's quite, it's quite an open, it's hierarchical to a point, not very hierarchical, it's quite a plastic way of working. So people could see what we, we were doing they could they could witness the shift. Wow. So I think the the various processes and checkings we've put into place sort of made sense. But the means of doing it is a new it's new. It's a new language, you know, not just cash flow charts, but how you program work, etc., how you market. Mm-hmm. But people adapted. And that's great because it felt right. It felt like, well, I'm with the right guys. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, looking back on it, it wasn't that painful in that respect. It's
1: quite interesting, really. Yeah, I'll do it completely. And how did you show, because, you know, on this side of the room, we're all creatives. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to single you out there, right, <laughs> Andrew, but um, oh, no. how did you go from being... Yeah, it's, a shirt, a, it? <laughs> it's a sure. isn't it? It's possibly. Yeah. Um, I like that colour. Suits you. How do you go from that kind of creative mindset to then actually being, running a business yeah. and consolidating that with actually managing a team? Or is that something you've had to do naturally within your line of business anyway with, let's say, trades and suppliers?
3: To some extent, you, yes, it is something we do for our clients, but when you train as an architect, architects, as a generalisation, they're sort of butterfly minds. It's the way you're trained because your architectural training covers many, many things. Um, it covers not just design, but um, philosophy. Um, uh, you know the theory of colour, uh, history, the history of art, lots, of, lots of different things. So. Nobody teaches you how to run a business when you're in design school. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to some extent, you could argue, actually, that's good because you can really obsess about design and become, hopefully, have your own authenticity as a designer. The danger is, as that is pushed back, the shock is huge when you leave when you leave school. And you're, you study seven years.
2: Yeah.
3: As an architect, minimum seven years. Most people study longer. So you have to cultivate that yourself and that takes a long time unless you're of a mindset where you're less butterfly and your your mindset is linked to the world of commerce but in general architects aren't and i wasn't but i've got a i've got a great wife <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, she managed 25 people running a publishing house and with deadlines and knew how to organize yeah. mm-hmm. and so i had help there and i've as you know since i've 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 sought help and you know i sought help too so there's a point where you say things have to change and you have
2: to you have to sort of change all the time with other businesses. Can you you obviously maybe had that realization that your skill sets in design or architecture and even touching on art and philosophy there? That business element, we speak to a lot of trades guy who have that technical skill, if you like, but again, don't necessarily have the business expertise. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of those trades? And do you ever see them being stuck in that respect? Yeah, I do. And but it's interesting
3: though, mm-hmm. because it's it's rare that we, if we have a particular job or task and we work with a trade, most of the time we, it's, for us, it's it's a people collaborative thing. So you do get to know about that person. There were certain jobs, which are sort of quick in and out tasks, but over time, we've got to know trades, other professionals well, and we might meet in a cafe or whatever. So, um you, We find ourselves talking about where they're at, what they're doing, and how they managed to acquire that job. They were one of five or six people, why they missed that job. And so I'm interested. I'm interested in, we're not the architect that comes on site, points the finger, get it done, walk away. We've never been that. That was one of the golden rules starting this practice. Yeah. I wasn't going to be like that because I witnessed that a lot. So for me, it's it's about people. Most of it is about people. And you're sort of bringing something together. So you learn a lot about how people operate their businesses. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, I would say that the, the word creative is overused. I
1: agree with that. One. I would yeah.
3: say there are people in business who are more creative than there are sometimes architects that I meet. Mean. So when I what I mean by that is that the idea of authoring a strategy for a business is very, very similar, you could say, to coming up with a diagram or an ideogram for a project. There are similarities. I think we can get stuck on this notion of creativity, which can, it can polarize people. You know, the electrician on site can be just as creative. I agree. And we learn a lot when, when they turn up, when they turn up. <laughs> yeah. But it's great because I, I love seeing things made. Yeah. And, and I love seeing problems <laughs> solved. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh,
2: the sort of creativity is everywhere. Is there, um, a kind of, a stop point where design stops and then construction begins, or mm-hmm. is it just a continual process? And do sometimes you find you have to give in to your original designs yeah. for the sake of certain construction materials? or
3: Yeah, you do.
2: <laughs> you look a little bit sad, then.
3: <laughs> well, actually, it's something, you, it's something you live with, because the difference between architects and artists are artists don't need clients. They can produce, they need to produce yeah. for themselves architects need clients so we are therefore in the world of commerce so we're bridging the art of architecture with commerce with our patron our client well that's a that's an incredible dynamic yeah. to be operating in you want to do what you want to do but you want to draw out of your patron your client what they want but they've come to you because they see what you do. And then you've got to make it work in the world of commerce. So a tender will come in and you negotiate the tender. You have to cut certain things out. But can you still hang on to those one or two basic ideas, notions that the client's excited about? Can you still do that? And that's where the, you know, the invention comes in. So we had it with this building. You know, you hang on to it as much as you can. Not for your, just yourself, but for the client. Because they're on board, they're with you.
2: You know? So it's interesting. If there was no budget or commerce, what would you personally want to design? I'd want... the <laughs> w- golden question, I
3: right? would say, give me a budget.
2: Uh-huh.
3: I'll tell you why. But I'll answer the question. Um, th- the reason why I say that is that if you set limits... Um, monetary space you get um, invention okay and you get freedom so the idea of the ideal project with no budget is great. What would I do? I would probably I would probably be interested in designing um a sacred space um, or a public space like a museum yeah, Um, for lots of reasons, but it's better that people come with their budget because we have no choice but to invent with that limit in a way. And that's the interesting thing.
1: And is that exactly from me and George's businesses? If you just said to me, go away and build a website, mm-hmm. of course I could do that. Yeah. But you're right. If you have if a cost budget or it's trying to sell something or get a message across, yeah, it's the innovation that then makes you yeah. think about the constraints about how that's actually going to work. You come up with something that's much more... Exactly. It is. It's the innovation.
3: I mean, I, I saw something recently. Someone's just won the, the James Dyson Award um, to produce a new plastic that's by... Biodegradable, and um, this is someone who had not a lot of money, but was incredible. Had cultivated themselves to the point where she came up with this very inventive, um, this idea that combined science with a world problem. And there's an example of someone quite young trying to get what they can to make it work in those limitations. And someone on the other side, James Dyson and his organisation in this case, saying, that's good.
2: I could use that. We could benefit from that. So in some ways, the limitations or the struggles actually sparked the creativity. Human tradition.
3: Yeah, Yeah, very very
2: much. Just to turn it back to architecture a little bit, um, the continual professional development, how has that affected your industry? Is it something that's something you look forward to, or is it something that's a bit of a pain? It's something you have to put in the diary and commit
3: to, and you have to you have to do it for professional you know, qualification. But it's also interesting because it's a sort of cut-out time where you leave the office, you attend um, you know, a, a professional practice um day of lectures, and then you discover. All sorts of weird stuff, like yeah. how you stain brickwork, for example, and scientifically what that does. There are other, you know, there are other seminars and subjects you have to sort of attend to where. It's tedious. You don't. Do you really want to know about U value calculations and how you?
2: Absolutely. Let's do half an hour. <laughs> <on that. laughs>
3: how you calculate heat loss? I'm I'm designing in my next <laughs> room at that point while <laughs> this is going yeah. through. There's not much fun in that. So. But you know, continuing professional development isn't just that. I mean, we live in we live in London. Design museum's got an incredible show on Mars at the moment. And moving to Mars, you've got, you've got. Performance, art, you've got fringe theatre. It's all the same. Mm. It's not just about professional
2: um, input. It's really about how you cultivate yourself. Is it as much also kind of about getting away from the office and stepping out of your normal routine? Because with that can come certain more introductions or conversations and so on.
3: It is. I love it. I love that because I can get on the scooter. I can park outside wherever it is. It's easy. Um, you can, you can walk around the design museum. Um, it's an amazing building. London's full of that stuff. You meet people and actually there's room for accident, which is great. Mm -hmm. Room for accident. Love it. You know, you, you, the arts world is, it can be quite close. You might sort of know a writer or another designer, someone at these events. Type thing. And there's, you know, London's like that. There's this sort
2: of stuff going on and you just put yourself there and you find yourself sort of connected. I think that's probably where the art and construction does differ because we hate accidents but
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, so. laughs> well, that's the beauty yes. of design isn't yeah. it in that you never actually know where your inspiration is going to come from just you because you're going to be um, creating some beautiful building or an amazing graphic or whatever it's going to be yeah. you could be inspired by something on a mug something you see in a right, tree that's yeah. going to spark something in the creation you're doing for a client yeah Frances can't then. stand it so. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so
3: you're in the street and she's She's looking around. Where yeah. is he? And
1: I'm
3: 100%. looking up again. It was like uh, you know, at Christmas we were we went into the com- went to the country, Tewkesbury Gloucestershire, and we were walking, and there was this incredible oak tree. It must have been about 150 years old, type thing. But she was way down there. The thing is, you don't know because we're visual people, mm-hmm. yeah. and Frances is wordy,
2: yeah.
3: so she's just as excited about words. so words
1: and image is
3: quite an interesting combination in our
1: house yeah so let's let's touch on a bit more of the um, of your marketing mm. process, because I think that's quite very interesting from what is seen as quite a um, you know well to do established business, seven years in training, et cetera. the normal thought of an architect is someone quite stuffy, old in a quite well to do office um I don't, I'm not, this isn't, you know, I'm not talking badly now, but that isn't necessarily the same view I think people have of you in that, in that kind of resource. You're not, you're approachable or more approachable. And we work on that. Yeah. 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 But there's there's obviously a fine balance because obviously the the training and everything involved in a certain level that an architect needs to be seen at.
3: Well, people are looking for an authority, Hmm. um, as they probably do to you, you know, in your job, um when i when I studied for a long time, I was working as well, and I saw how practices worked and the personalities involved and it was a process of elimination. There were things that occurred to me that where I said that's not me, that's not what I'll be doing and the The transparency and approachability was a big thing for me yeah so um it, that's more a sort of intuitive thing where I wanted to feel that people could approach us. I wanted to go to site and not be the big person arriving on site where others were supposedly lower than you. You know, the, the, the sort of... And architects can be um, accused of that still, um, whether you call that to do the the professional, um, character and the trade or whatever it is, so all that stuff occurred to me really quite early, um, and because I was studying and designing and doing all that stuff and working, the combination, I think it that's what it's sort of you know
1: yeah mm-hmm.
3: how it's developed in the
1: way and a few of the different um ways that you then become more visible within the community, I suppose. You know, we're we're here just by Habsburg Garden Server. So yeah. Obviously, you have a particular specialism yeah. in that area. Yeah. Um. But you're also getting out there in a lot of different channels. So I know that Instagram is something you use a lot of, Facebook, mm. um, email marketing. You've also got your own line of um, videos as well, and you also do run seminars for um, local estate agencies as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, tell us a bit more about that, because I don't see many, many so, businesses in your ilk doing things like that. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, <clears throat> With the estate agents it's interesting because we're we're on a high street pretty much and we part you know i passed these these guys and I, some years ago i thought no, i'll drop in i'm getting inquiries from people who are buying property and it's through an agent and um surprisingly um I remember being really nervous about it at first. Surprisingly, they were they were very you know accommodating. They we said, "Well, drop your cards off, all that stuff." It's, you know, fine. Got on the scooter and left, type of thing. So it it started it started like that. But then I realised that when people were ringing us wanting advice for, for property purchase, there was a sort of poverty in the knowledge of what it was we were looking at the house, the building and that the the person representing the agent could be better informed and therefore might stand a better chance in selling the property (laughs) in a way. And from my point of view, I was there to sort of explain what could be done under planning or building regs type of thing. So I I went back to the agents and I said, have you, I don't know what you think, but have you thought of this? And they said, "Mm, that sounds okay. I didn't know you could do that. I said, Well, why don't I just send you an email? So it started, it was quite a natural thing. You're on the high street. And then it became it's become more of a strategy now. Once you discovered there was a, a
2: niche kind of in that market. Yeah,
3: yeah. And it came out of meeting people on site. Um, and an agent was there, and he's the agent said, Give me your card type
2: thing. And it so I just thought, yeah, okay, then I'll. I'll give them a call afterwards. Yeah. Is, is there a lot of architects that maybe don't have the knowledge that you have of the planning departments or the connections with the planning people within the local authorities? I'd say there's there's
3: a few local authorities where we know the planning system fairly well, um, and being in Barnet, which is one of the largest boroughs in the country, um, we happen to be based in in a in a borough that's producing a lot of building work. Um, but, you know, Westminster, Camden, we work in those areas. And then there are areas we know less well. But you could also take the stance and say, well, a building's a building. And we'll, what, what, we'll, what we need to find out, we'll find out.
2: Yeah.
3: And we'll, or we'll, we'll go to certain people in certain areas and glean from them. How do they do this differently to where we've worked before type thing? So I'm quite interested in in entering territories that I'm less familiar with, even though it's slightly, you know. um, So in in essence, doing something that scares you? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because you are doing maybe another planning application. Some of those requirements might be different, but it's interesting because it's also political. There's a, a political edge to working in Romford, say, than in, Barn- in Barnet, especially after elections. So you're entering a, a political social culture each time. And that's, that's interesting because it does affect what you do and ultimately what you offer your clients. And you have to, you have to know the system and you have to know it quickly, but you, you do it, you can do it.
1: So has something like social media worked for you as a business? To some extent, yes, but I feel like
3: we're still very much at the beginning. Um, I think you know that. (laughs) Um, Producing a website, uh, what we have now, um, is a revelation for us. And it's a revelation because it's not about the website. It's about how you perceive what you're doing as a business and how that appears, but also strategically, how does it filter? And that's something I'm just not familiar with. I have to talk to people like you, to, you know, to people like you guys to know that, because that's not my field. So it's a currency I don't know. Talk to me about design, products, objects, buildings, you know, material. But talk to me about commerce, strategy, sending a message, disseminating it,
2: having, a, having something that's feeding back, talking back to you. I need help. Well, I think you kind of touched on it. I think you are doing it in the sense that, okay, maybe you're not or feel as in touch with the social media or the website side, although there's a heavy presence now. Mm. But we're identifying that there was a, a niche or a lack of knowledge between the agents and the own buyers, especially in a, a, a kind of close-knit community like Hampstead Garden Suburb. Yeah was very good in terms of commerce. And I mean, just to link all the kind of elements of sales and marketing together, we mentioned off, off camera about um, the networking organisation we belong to. Yeah, How useful has that been in terms of developing you personally
3: yeah. and your business? That, that, that's, a, that's quite a profound change for me um, because, um, you know, being in a, a public forum is not me. Uh, so, I think that was what's come out of that is a breadth of experience that um, is is offered to you in a very economic way. If, if not not in terms of cost, but the idea that you commit to a particular time in the week. Um, You give your time to something in the week and you see that feedback almost immediately. Not necessarily in terms of a project that comes in, but something someone says, some instigation of a conversation, something someone's presented. So subjecting yourself to something like that, looking back on it, though it's mad at the time sort of hated it in a way (laughs) um it's interesting so i'm i'm quite that's 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 produced lots of other um ways of thinking about things really
0: yeah it's another means of inspiration in some ways isn't it it is is it's another
3: means of inspiration because you know everyone's got a story in that room on a tuesday morning everyone's got a story And if you give yourself the time to hear it, it's fascinating. I'm never bored. I'm just never bored. Um, There's always something going on. The atmosphere is light, so it's not as heavy as I first imagined when I first came to that thing. People want to see others do well. I mean, why would you not
2: want to do that? Be a part of that environment, yeah. It's so it's so absolutely. crucial and so important. Yeah. And I think for all businesses, not just sort of trades or property professionals, when anybody starts a business and feels like it's part of the reason why we do the podcast, to come together, be part of a team, as, as well thing. as being an individual in our own. You know, having yeah. that kind of group of people around is, is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I hear about, you know, um, when
3: are the trades meeting next? What's great about it is it's organised. There's a diary thing, there's a format, but you know each other. You know each other well enough and you're looking out for each other. And that's, that's great. You, you, you want that when you're running your own business, even if it's not your business and you're representing that business, that security is key. And you may not find yourself actually talking about it in these terms we are now, like verbalizing it yeah. in this way. But if you stop someone and you sat them down, I think they'd say
2: that. I think that's what they'd say, um, you know, their support. We've mentioned, looking back a few times um, in this conversation, <coughs> if you could, had some opportunity of meeting your past self, what advice would you give them? Good question. If I, you're right. Don't go to that strip club.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would have said it's not I would have said it's not that scary. People want you to do well, you know. Um yeah, I think that would be one of the things because you can hold yourself back.
1: That's a very good point. I think it's key.
2: Yeah. Mm. I think that's an absolute key point. I think we you know we see it all the time. Yeah. How long does it take certain clients to come forward to speak to you? Because they know they've got to progress their their business in some way. Yeah. How much fear is there? Yeah. I think that's a crucial point. Opening up to people.
3: Yeah. massive point. It is. It's big. And it's harder for some than others. So,
2: yeah. And uh, one more question for me is where you cross over from the sort of design element to the construction element. Mm. What are your frustrations with the certain trades that you work with? I would say...
3: The, the challenges for us, um, the architects, surveyors with the people on the ground are one, getting, making sure you're communicating well enough. So people have got it. Um, whether it's a drawing or your discussion on site, communication is one of the golden rules when it comes to making things. I think anything, but with building, so much can go wrong. You know, if you, if you look at this building and the parts that make this building and the decision process, is complicated. So communication is quite key. Turning up on time is important. The big thing is getting across to people that the client, if anything goes wrong, will call us. They rarely will call the, the trade or the builder. Because we are the facilitator to make their thing happen. So we're, we're the guy who's who's providing the turnkey. But over the years, as we work with trades, it, it, it gets better and better.
2: Yeah.
3: It does get better and better. And the great thing is that you can have a client on site, you've got a drawing, and you've got a guy who's got a specialty. If you take someone like Uh, Kieran of R.K. Carpentry. What's great is he can come up with a solution to a joint. And that that little detail has made the whole thing change. And the client smiles. Mm -hmm. That relationship on site from a theoretical drawing to the guy who's got all the skills and training to, to make it, the expectation of the client to be in that room and get that communication across, and then see it built. That's great. That's what I love about going to site. Mm. It's it's bu- it's builder trades. It's whoever it is. It's a building inspector. It's a collaborative thing. There's nothing. There should be nothing adversarial about making
2: something. You said it's improved over the years. What what is it? What elements do you think have enabled those improvements? I think as we've got to know people more. So relationships. It's
3: a relationship yeah. They know how you work. They know your wit, your humor, your expectations. You're representing the clients. We get to know what they're doing. They're suggestive. They've got a new catalog of this material. This There's a
2: sort of easing up because you get to know people. There's pressure. Yeah, because there's time. And so they feel they can probably be a little bit more creative with solutions as well. It's yeah, great.
3: because we want to give people slack. We're not there to say you've got to do it like that. We, we, we've got to, we have got to learn from the guys on site. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way thing. So I'm, I'm trying to always break down that thing about you don't have to put your hammer down to have this conversation. Talk to me. What have you got in mind? That's the conversation. I wanna know what you're thinking. Don't just rely on me because you're about to make it. So tell me, you know, that's great. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it's it feels like it's live as opposed to the authoritative yeah, prescribed route.
1: And more of a collaboration. Yeah. Which is gonna work forever. Though. And
3: at the end of the day, you see it because the product, the thing in itself is always better.
1: Right.
3: If when you have prepare. those relationships, and you have that communication, you see it. Hopefully, here, you know the the people we had making this thing. It was we experienced that ourselves. It's you know?
0: always the way. If you become micromanaged, you're stunting the creativity. Yeah, at point always.
3: Absolutely. Here in in the office, it's just like this in the office. Mm-hmm. Talking to the to, to the trades, it's like here. If someone comes up and. I haven't I haven't got an opinion or a suggestion go downstairs come back to me
2: yeah.
3: what what are you thinking they're not robots give me something of yourself you you
1: end up with something better so to summarize out there communication yeah but also collaboration yeah listening listening yeah and also be having that chance to be able to voice your own opinions. Yeah. On and enjoying the environment. Yeah. To be to enjoying it. It's really cold on site.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <It really is. laughs> you know, it's rainy. You are wet. You've just got off the
2: scooter. You've got to keep it light.
1: Yeah.
2: You keep it light. Yeah, it's funny how everyone sort of defines themselves a little bit, whether it by, you know, occupational level of experience or whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's just the case of, as you said, we're all trying to work towards the same product. Yeah. So we can do it sort of shouting and screaming or by being creative and yeah. moving forward. Yeah. yeah. It's great when you, if you can get that culture like that, it's
3: not always, but that's what you strive for.
1: Excellent. Um, Simon, we could probably talk for hours and yeah. I'm sure there are at least two or three follow-ups to this episode, but thank okay, you very good. much. Yeah, well, thank you. For the time and, no, and then, it seems
3: so like, good. it? Haven't, haven't been too boring. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and don't forget, if you're listening and if you're watching, you can find out a lot more about Simon and his practice at simonmillerarchitects.com and you can find out a lot more on the show page at marketingsimplified.co.uk.
2: Welcome back, so we've just heard from Simon and about how he works and collaborates with a number of different trades. And I think what maybe is different with Simon in the way he works was, although he is a designer and an artist almost, um, you know, by trade himself, he very much welcomes the ideas of the other trades guys.
1: Yeah, I thought that was, that was really quite interesting, the way that he was saying, and the, the guys in his office as well, mm. come to me with ideas, let's discuss them. Mm. Um, it's a very free and open environment then to um, all collaborate and do, do better things.
2: That's where the
0: best work comes out, isn't it, I guess?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose you could almost sort of see his frustration in some ways because it's almost like an artist is trying to use the canvas, which is now this building or this project, but obviously has a very functional, practical use. And when the trades guys come in, they're often very functional and practical and not necessarily with the artistry. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, because, you know, if if you're just, from a trades perspective, and you must know more about this, if you're just kind of given a plan and said, do this, is that... You know, do you get anything out of that personally?
2: Yeah, and I think it's a good point. I think sometimes it's, especially with gas plumbing and heating, so much of it is in the walls or below the floors and so much of it is unseen. So when you do get the opportunity to do something like a a plant room or something like that, where you can be a little bit more creative with your work. um, I think it more probably applies to people like carpenters. And carpenters can give real kind of solutions that have um, a, a good looking or an aesthetic value, rather than just a functional value. So a craftsman. Yeah, getting towards that, and I think, but carpenters probably feel the same frustrations if they're just sort of sanding doors or hanging doors all day. How they learnt, they're trained a very trader, very much being a craftsman versus just having that functional, you know, almost like a DIY type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly those guys can get to be more creative and get all the glory versus some of the plumbers and the heating engineers.
0: <laughs> well we were discussing that earlier as well weren't we and it's the first time that I met Simon but that kind of division that there can be from the tradespeople and then architects, interior designers that are still working on the same project but we were describe them as like a sort of collared version right, yeah, like yeah. in some ways but I hear it from my trades clients a lot that there is, there is quite a, a divide and a bad ill feeling sometimes but you've got to feel really comfortable with the people that you're collaborating with as well and you need to feel respected so sometimes it's a case of reviewing how we are as um you know business operators and how the other people communicate and work as well to try and find that middle ground to be able to deliver on what a trades boy's finished product is and the architect's finished products but yeah I, I hear that a lot and i could sort of hear what simon was saying about it as well i
2: think simon's hyper aware of it you know yeah. um i think it, it, in almost every project you do and even when to stretch it to homeowners as well there's very much this feeling of us and them it's almost class yeah. system within having a job done you know and it's it's ridiculous because we're all kind of people at the end of the day and the better we get on and the more we communicate the better we understand the brief or the project and so on and the better the result's going to be yeah
1: some of the things I, I really liked and having, having worked with Simon directly as well is that he's very open to new ideas and new concepts, um, especially things like, you know, marketing online, so Instagram, Facebook. Um, he's been using a lot of those um, different mediums to help promote his own business, mm-hmm. which I don't see a lot with architecture out generally because yeah. I think that kind of, kind of seems kind of a bit of a stuffy world.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Those industries sort of um, almost sort of pigeonhole themselves. So the fact that he's coming out and he's, he's very aware of that and again wants to explore the creative side of his own personality through digital marketing and through the um, the architects on a scooter brand that he's got going. Um, I think it's great. I think it's excellent that that happens and it certainly makes him just to bring it back a lot more approachable to a lot of the trades and makes him easy to work with. And I think, to be honest, from my perspective as a tradesperson, a lot of architects could kind of you know take notice of that way of working.
0: What I find sometimes with that is uh, you have architects and they are designers, right? Just like I'm a designer, but a completely different field. So often is the case that people feel they've got someone in-house, whether it's in the office or or anything, maybe it's like social media based as well, but they feel, you know, that person could do it. They've got a skill set or they know a bit about Facebook and then they get those people to implement the work when actually they don't know. Like I could never design a house. I have a degree in design, but it's not architecture. Mm. There's a similar methodology behind it and creativity but it's completely different and I see that in in people that I've worked with and people that have come and asked for my opinions on what they should be doing people get stuck in this rut and think that just because they have a team member that might be able to do a certain element of their marketing that no we, we can get them to do it but they don't have the time and they don't actually have the correct set of skills so it ends up being wrong and against their brand so um I, I really liked with Simon that he was open to that and that's the conflict I've actually found with some architects I've spoken to in the past. It's been, oh, we've got designers, they can whip something up and Mm. do a brand or do a website or do a social media. Um, But it is like so different. So that appreciation is really refreshing to hear from someone like Simon.
2: But that's either a recognition or it's your own self-confidence. And if you kind of have that confidence, whether it's in the market or your own abilities, then you don't feel threatened and you don't Mm. feel like you need to to keep it in-house or it comes down to budget. People feel they're gonna save a bit of money, but they end up paying twice, of course, because as you said, design isn't matched up. Always.
1: Brilliant stuff. Well, Hope you enjoyed watching and listening to today's episode. Don't forget, find out more at marketingsimplified.co.uk and log on to iTunes and like and subscribe to the show. And don't forget, we're also on Spotify, uh, Deezer, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. So until next time, thank you very much.
0: That's all for this time. But don't worry, we'll be back with more soon. Stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk.